0: God, we love you this morning. We thank you for your blessings and goodness. God, we worship you, Lord, for your presence, your power, and your spirit. In the precious and wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to read one verse of scripture, and then I'm going to have you be seated. The verse I'm reading to you here this morning is found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our heavenly Father, which is in heaven. And I want to speak here this morning on our heavenly Father, our heavenly Father. I want you to turn to your neighbor and your friend, shake their hand, greet them in Jesus' name, tell them they look nice this morning, praise God. And tell them you're glad they're here and you're glad you're here, hallelujah. Praise God. And you may be seated. The Lord bless you. I have uh, chosen to speak on a message this morning that I have never spoken on in my life. And I have never heard it spoken on. And it was only up until a few months ago that it, it occurred to me what this message was all about. I never had seen it, never heard anybody ever speak on it. And when I was seeking the Lord for a Father's Day message, the Lord impressed me to speak on this message, speak this message here tonight, this morning. So I'm aware that there are those of you who may need to hear what I've got to say today from the word of the Lord in this fashion. The Lord said, our Heavenly Father. And while that's a common expression to us, it's already been stated here from the pulpit this morning. And while Jesus spoke of it often, it was almost an unheard of thing in the Old Testament. This was the big surprise to me. But Jesus spoke of it often. Uh, in the Old Testament, the word Father is spoken of over 600 times. But only six times does it refer to God. Six times. And all six of those times it had to do with prophecy, usually concerning Jesus Christ or the era of time when Jesus would come and the Jews then would be listening to him and he would be their leader, their father, their, their messiah among them. <clears throat> Very rare thing. I searched the scriptures backwards and forwards. I could not find where that the Jews understood God in the relationship of father. They had a relationship with him in many other ways, but not that of father. In contrast to that, when Jesus came, he spoke of God as father often, often. In uh, In the Beatitudes alone, he speaks of it 17 times in three chapters. Matthew 5 through 7, just three chapters. He speaks of the father 17 times and in the gospel books. The word Father, speaking of God or referring to God, is spoken of uh, over 200 times in just the gospels, not counting the epistles. And I'm only showing you here from this that while the word Father, speaking of God Almighty, was so very common and is so very familiar in the New Testament because of Jesus. In that Old Testament, He was not known to the Jews in that fashion. He was not known as a father. I want to talk to you about that. And uh, toward the end of this message, I'm going to talk to all of you as to what does all of this have to do with us today? How does that apply to me now? And especially I want to talk to all of our men. God bless the men. I respect you. I honor you. You You're a good man or you would not be here this morning. Uh, You have a reason for being, that's right, thank you ladies, all you ladies, God bless you, but you have it in your heart to know something about God, to serve God, or to walk with God, and many of you do walk with the Lord, but I want to talk to you about how that God wants us to understand him and the relationship of him as father and us as his children, what that really means to us today. Uh, In the Old Testament, the Jews understood God in different ways. God revealed himself to them. They understood him to be uh, uh, Elohim. Elohim was the plural form of the word God. The word God in Hebrew was E-L-L, just means L. It's from that word that the Babylonian language used the word Bel, which was the word for God in their language. Or B-A-A-L, Baal as it was among some of the Canaanites. Uh, but it was a perversion, perversion of that word el. And it was also a prefix used, like in certain words, uh, like Elijah or Elisha or Elkanah. Uh meaning E-L meant God is so-and-so, God is great, God is wonderful, God is true, or whatever. And uh, it was used a lot in that fashion. But with the Jewish people, they understood their God to be the God of all gods. Because that was the God of the water, that was the God of the sea, that was the God of a uh, fish, that was the God of the stars, the God of the moon, the God of the sun. And the Gentiles had many, shall I call it L's, E-L, they had many gods. But with the Hebrews, they said, our God is Elohim. That means he is God of all the gods. He is Elohim. And so they knew God as the Elohim. That is God who was over all things and everything. He was God over all. They knew that. When Abraham came along, the Lord gave Abraham another name of himself to identify another characteristic, a deeper characteristic of himself. He said to Abraham, he said, I am Uh, El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty. I am God Almighty. And when he told Abraham, I am El Shaddai, he was saying, not only am I God of all things that you see and touch and everything that exists, but I'm also the God that can change things. God Almighty meant I can make things happen. I can make things different. I can make things to be the way I declare them to be. That's why when the Lord told Abraham, go and take thy son, thine only son, up on Mount Moriah and kill him and offer him for a sacrifice over in the New Testament. The Bible says that Abraham believed that God was going to raise Isaac back up from the dead immediately because God had told him, I am El Shaddai, and I can do all things, and then he believed he will raise him up from the dead. And so Abraham was willing to do it on that basis because he understood God as El Shaddai. As it happened, God said, don't kill him, don't take his life. I only, only wanted to see in your heart that you loved me more than him. And so forth, and the story goes on. The reason that Isaac could not be the first of the resurrection was because that Jesus was yet to come and he was to be the first fruits of the resurrection. I'll move on here because whenever Moses saw uh, God in the burning bush as an angel appeared to him and he saw him, uh, the Lord said to him, I am the I am or I am the Yahweh. Uh, Jehovah is another form of that I am. I am was a phrase that could not be pronounced in the third person in other words if you take I am and you speak it in the third person you would say he is but he is is different than I am and so Moses could not pronounce it it was four letters that could not be pronounced they were called a tetragamation Jews all know they understand this and so the name Yahweh or Jehovah was formulated by putting vowels in between those four consonants uh which uh, are uh, the called the tetragamation and so forth the names came out of that but originally it was I am God is saying I am in other words I am always God I have always been God I am God for all times and I am a God who is everywhere this is how the Jews understood God they understood God to be all God they understood God to be a God who could change things. They did believe in healing. They saw the powers of God in healing. Uh, they understood that God, praise the Lord, was a God who uh, who was a God who would always make things happen for them. And they understood that God was a God who had always been God and he was everywhere. Never was there a place he is not And never there shall there be a place he shall not be. And never shall there be a time he shall not be. Because he always has been. Now, if you and I have a problem getting that, our brains around that, it's because we're human. And we have a human brain, you know, and we're limited. But God is eternal. There never was a time that God was not. And so he was telling Israel all of this. And so all through Israel's history, they understood God to be this mighty God this great God and the closer they got to God and the more they served God and the more the presence of God that they had, the more they understood this, but they never understood God in the relationship of a father, father to a son. And it was only in prophecy. And I, I have, have chosen here this morning, not to read all of those prophecy verses. There's two of them found in, uh, I think in uh, Isaiah, two of them in Jeremiah. uh, There's a couple of them found over in one, in 2 Samuel, again over in Psalms. But it's a prophecy of the coming of David and that his seed, that is Jesus Christ, amen, would show them and teach them about the Father. So when Jesus came, almost from the very beginning of his teaching, he began to say, our Father, which is in heaven. And he began to lay out to us about the Father. Now, I want to talk to you about the Father a little bit, because here's what a Father is to all of us. A Father is, first of all, a life giver. He is the giver of life to us, our fathers. Our fathers to our fathers and our fathers to us. They are the begetter you read in the bible so and so beget so and so and so and so beget so and so they are the begetter and so they give life have given life as from adam right on down the line to where we are today that's the earthly body that we have but jesus praise the lord came along to introduce god as that eternal life giver to all of us in other words folks if you are alive today you owe your life to our heavenly father the mighty God of heaven and earth. There is none like him. He has given us life. Don't ever come to church and not praise the Lord. And when you pray, say, Lord, I thank you, God, because you are the giver of life, if nothing else. If you don't have a thing in the world to thank the Lord for, you thank him for the life that you have. Our life. Yeah, there's a scripture in Isaiah 9, 6, and I think most of us are familiar with it. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and then these two terms follow that. Uh, uh, counselor, and he shall be called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Well, what's the difference between the two? The term of God as the Mighty God meant that he was the one who created all things, every mountain, every rock, all the seas, all the heavens that up there, that's nothing up there but just fire and, and the stone or whatever it is. You know, it's all just uh, things. But whenever he said, not only is he the mighty God, but he is the heavenly father, or he's the everlasting father, meant that he was the life giver to everything that had life. Praise the Lord, Jesus Christ. And therefore, if he's the life giver to everything, he certainly is a life giver to you and I. That's why when we come to the house of God, we ought to say, Jesus, I love you. And I thank you, Lord. And I praise you. And I worship you. Don't come to the house of God and sit like a bump on the log. But just say, Lord, I've come to worship you. And if nothing else, God, I thank you because you have given me life. I breathe because of you. Praise the Lord. I am because of you. I exist because of you. I'm here because of you. Praise the Lord. And so he is our life giver. He has begotten life. And he's that eternal father that has given life to all. Praise the Lord. There is another thing about this father position that god is to all of us he is a provider fathers are good providers amen fathers take care of their own they take care of their children they feed them they clothe them they house them amen they go out and make a living uh i talked to a, a man one time whenever i was <clears throat> working uh, on an insurance route and i was building a whole missionary church up in northwest florida and I never would forget, I went to this house one day and I we went in there to collect some insurance and I saw this man and I said, you must be Mr. So-and-so. And he said, yes, I am. He was, had craggly hands and, and a rough face and quiet sort of talking guy. And he said, yes, I am. And I said, I've never met you, never seen you, but I know of you and I've met all your children and your wife and I know your family And he said, I know I've always been the one out working. I'm only here on Sunday. We go to church together. But then he says, I I talked to his son later on, who was a pharmacist in a drugstore. And I said, I met your dad the other day. He said, from the time we got up in the morning till we went to bed at night, we never saw our father. But we always knew he was out there. He was always out there pulling logs out of the swamp. He was loading up logs on trucks to take him to the paper mill. He had a crew of men. He was working, but he worked all of his life. He put all of his children through college, paid all their college, got them all through college. And this man stood there and said, I never knew my father a lot, but I knew he was always out there doing it for me and for us. And he said, we all love our dad, and on holidays we all get together. And he says, "In this day I'll always appreciate him. This is sort of the man's role. I know the woman's role is tender with the children, and she is that home guider. But that man is providing for his family. Praise the Lord. Let me just tell you here today, folks, praise the Lord, that our God is a provider for us. The Lord will help you. He will never let you go without uh, Solomon said one time, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. That's the seed, the children of the righteous, because God looks after them. I remember years ago and I was my wife and I we were just a young couple, just gotten married. And, and I had studied and prepared for the ministry. And we were in Miami living and she had a good job. I had a good job. We were making a good living. We had a nice lifestyle going on for several months but the lord began to deal with me about getting out and going preaching that i've called you to preach the gospel not you know just to stay here and work and so i began going to walk the streets at nighttime i'd walk it out and walk down the street and i'd think about it and pray and talk to god and finally i decided to make the decision so i told my wife one day we're going to leave and we're going to go out and evangelize and she said all right whatever you say we'll do oh uh, here we were just a young couple You know, 20, 21 years old, I was, and we were 20, uh, 20, 21 years old, and uh, we just went out. Praise the Lord. And I want to tell you to this day, I never, never missed a meal. Praise the Lord. I may have postponed a few, but I never missed any. (laughs) But I'm just telling you, he will never let you go hungry. Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. He said, I'm with you always. I'll never leave you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you may be dealing with things and you think, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. The Lord will be with us. The Lord will help you. And I want you to know he's your heavenly father. And just like a good father will provide for his children and take care of his children. And he'll feed his children. And he'll clothe his children. The Lord will do the same for you. When you read in that Beatitudes in uh in uh, matthew here chapters uh five six and seven the bible comes across certain places there where the lord says don't worry about your clothes god he, he clothes the he closes the lilies and the the flowers and the plants and the animals he takes care of all of them if god will do that he'll do the same for you and he says your heavenly father will do that that doesn't mean that you know You know, the bird does get out and scratch. He doesn't just stay in the nest, you know, and wait for the Lord to just drop it in the nest. He gets out and scratches. But still, nevertheless, God will always provide. So the Lord, hallelujah, is our provider. He is also our protector. Just like a father is a protector of his family. That's one of his responsibilities. He protects his children. He protects his wife. He protects his family. He protects his home. Amen. Over in, uh, in England years ago, I was studying one time about <clears throat> why we Americans pass on the right-hand side and the British on the left-hand side. It all started on the left-hand side in England. And it would be, or Europe, in fact, but it would be these men would always walk and they carried their swords like this. And if they were to pass someone who there was an enemy or might attack them, they wanted to be able to do this, you know, fight them off. So they put their family and their children to their left. And they always pass on the left-hand side. Well, in the Revolutionary War, we Americans said we're going to do it the opposite because we're not British, you know, so we're going to pass on the right-hand side. But that's how all of that got started. I remember I was in Serbia here several years ago, And my son and I, we were over there and she was, he was preaching the the Eastern European Bible conference there. And uh, these women, uh, not knowing, not us knowing what was going on said to the men, uh, we want Bishop Myers to answer this question for us. I don't know why they chose me to do it. And so they said, they came to me and they said, the women want to all know, and all the women were standing around. They want to know why The women in America and in the Western Europe wear their wedding bands and rings on their left hand because they all wear them on their right hand. And all the women held up their right hand like this. They had their wedding rings on the right hand. And they said, the right hand is your favorite hand. That's where you put your wedding band. why do the women wear their wedding rings and the wedding bands on their left hand? And it came back to me about how that in England, those men would always keep their family to the left side. So I said to them, I said, because the left is near the heart and the left is where you protect and and look after and take care of. And the right hand is what you work with and what you defend your family with. They said, that makes sense to us. (laughs) We understand. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But the Father is the defender. Praise the Lord. And God will defend us. He will fight for you. Praise the Lord. He'll go to bat for you. And all you have to do is say, our Heavenly Father, the Lord goes, he will take care of us. Not only is he a life giver, not only is he a provider, but he is also a fighter and a protector. That's not only in the human world, that's also in nature is like that. Nature's that way. I, I was over in Africa there with uh, Brother Porter. He's now in, back home in the States, has retired from the mission field, <clears throat> lives in uh, Oklahoma. I was just talking to him the other day on the phone. But we were in Africa together. We went to Kruger Park, which is a huge land area where the animals all roam free. And it, it's really, in, it's in South Africa, it's in Swaziland, it's in Mozambique, several countries right in there. So he and I were in this area and we were in his little uh, Toyota van. Well, that's, I guess it's an okay vehicle, but to me, I'm, I'm sort of a big guy. Anyhow, we were riding in it and uh, we were riding along this road and the road sloped down to the right and there was a, a stream of water that ran along there. And we spotted a herd of elephants, just a small herd, just maybe three or four or five elephants and some little babies. And we knew they were the mamas, the mamas and the babies. And they were all walking together along that bank, drinking water, grazing. And I had my camera and I was just going with it and I was taking their picture and everything. And brother. Porter was driving and putting me in spots where I could get good shots. And he was watching too. And on that little road, we were on a little dirt road. And uh, while I was doing this, one eye shut, I heard Brother Porter say, oh my God. And I said, what in the world? I turned and looked. And then he said it again, oh my Lord. And I turned and I saw the biggest bull elephant I had ever seen in my life walking from the left, coming across the road in front of us. And that one eye on this side was looking at us with all the fire you could see in a furnace. I mean, he was glaring at us. He didn't know who we were or what we were, but we were getting too close to his family. And that elephant, he left where he was and began to walk. Now they don't walk fast. But they can take three steps and be across this platform, you know, just like just like that. They can be there. And that elephant looked like he was as big as that whole backside when he came and everything. And Brother, Brother Porter was trying to get his car in reverse. He said, that thing could turn his little van over, you know. Now, the elephants that you see in circuses and zoos come from India. Those elephants are smaller elephants. They can be tamed. They can be rode, ridden on. Uh, they can be, uh, you know do things with but these african elephants are you cannot tame them they are completely wild they got they are bigger and uh they cannot be tamed they cannot be uh, domesticated and uh boy when that thing started getting and he walked deliberately as close to us as he could and was sizing us up to see if whether he wanted to take care of us or not or get us out of the way. And, and Brother Porter going... Rrr, rrr, he was grinding gears trying to get that little old van in reverse so he could get out of the way. Why? Because the daddy was there. The father was there. And he was protecting his family. And if an elephant will do that for his elephant family... And if a man will do that for his, his own family... How much more so will God do that for us? That's why, folks, we need to say, Lord, you're our protector. And you're our provider. And you take care of us. And in this Beatitudes, the Lord said, why do you worry about things? God is your heavenly father. And he'll take care of you. He'll take." We worry too much about too many things. We do. I know we can get into ourselves in trouble. You know, you can go out here and get in debt and spend a lot of money and say, okay, God, take care of me. No, no, the Lord may say, No, no, you've got yourself there now. I'm going to let you get yourself out, you know, everything. But He still keeps His hand on us. But God is faithful and He is a provider, He's a begetter, and He is one who will protect us. And then also He is our teacher. Praise the Lord. The Lord teaches us and He is our example. So that when Jesus came, He says, you do it this way because of your heavenly father. He says, like your heavenly father. He said to those people, he says, somebody smite you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Somebody asked you to forgive them, forgive them. You know, those kind of things. You know, I'm not used to that. I'm used to an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. No, no, no. We're talking about now the father child relationship and the Lord wants you to be like him. And he's trying to teach you and give you an example That if we learn to be kind and good and gentle and merciful and forgiving, he tried to teach forgiveness. He says, "Your heavenly Father forgives you, then you should forgive." So he used him as an example. Uh, You know, our God, our our own fathers are an example to us. As a boy growing up, you know, my dad was my example. I watched him. And uh, he was a good father, and therefore, I tried to be a good, a good boy and tried to be a good man when I grew up, you know. And uh, my dad taught me many things, but he also was an example to me. How much more so is God an example to us? Jesus said, you know, our Heavenly Father, he, he, he's good even to the people that don't like him. He reigns on the just and the unjust. Life, that's where that comes from. Well you're a heavenly father, he rains on the just and the un- rain mean means he gives them rain, water, rain water, so that they plant their seeds and their crops. And the farmer says, I don't believe in God. I don't like God. But he still gets the rain and his crops grow. And he'd take them to market and sell them. And he has some money and so forth. And yet he doesn't even believe in God. The Lord said, because he's good even to those that don't even know who he is or don't even respect him. He said, if God can be that way, then let us be good even to other people. Isn't that the Christian way? Is that it? But you know, in that Old Testament, they didn't know, they didn't know God in this fashion. But when Jesus came, Jesus came to say that I've come, praise the Lord, to present to you God in the fashion, praise God, that He wants us to be in. And that's why, folks, if we will draw close to the Lord and draw close to God, He will give us that spirit of God in us to help us to be able to do all the things that he was a teacher and that he was a, an example to us for us to be. And Jesus was constantly pointing those out as your heavenly father is, so be you. And He goes on, he named so many things, I won't take the time to try to read them and, and show you there, but so many things that God was our example, Jesus said, he is that example for all of us. Praise the Lord. And finally, I want to mention this to you. And that is, there is a word that's found only three times in the Bible. And three three times, all of it's in the New Testament. And it's the word Abba. A-B-B-A. Abba. Abba, Father. I want you to look with me, if you would, in Mark, chapter of, I think it's Mark 4. Let me find the right verse, Mark uh, 14 it is, and I'm going to read this verse of scripture to you here, it's where Jesus was praying in the garden. Now listen to me closely here, because this was the final act of Jesus, all through his earthly ministry, he was teaching Israel, remember he only taught the Jews, not the Gentiles, he said, I've come to the lost household sheep of Israel. It was the apostles who were commissioned to go to the Gentiles. Jesus only taught the Jews. And he was teaching them, if you can only know God as the Father. He had come to introduce God to them, not as the mighty God or the unchanging God or the God who can change things for us. But he came to bring him as the Father of all living and the Father of us so that we can have a father-child relationship with the Almighty God. And Jesus, of course, taught all of that. But when Jesus was going to Calvary, and Calvary was his last act, going to the cross was the last act of Christ. All the healing was over with, all the teaching was over with, all the ministry was over with. Now Jesus was going to the cross. Here in Mark, in chapter 14, verse 36, he says these words, and he said, he's praying here, And he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he said, Abba, Father. Now, this is a very important phrase. This word only appears about three times in the scriptures. It appears over in Romans, and it all has to do here with the same subject, Abba, Father. What Jesus was saying to him is that you are my father, and I am invoking the rights of the heir. I am an heir to the father. Now, listen to me carefully on this. And now I'm invoking the rights of the heir. It's not just like I'm using the word father. They would use the word father like a servant to, uh, to his master, or a master to a servant. He'd say son, and sometimes he'd say father. That was used, and I can show you scripture for that in the Bible. But now it was actually that relationship. It was that one who had given him life. Jesus was saying, Abba, Father. And when he said, Abba, Father, he was saying, My Father, that is, Daddy. You know, you are my father. And therefore, he was an heir to what God had for him. And he was invoking that when he said, Abba, Father, here. The reason we know that is because of two other scriptures in the New Testament where this is brought out by the apostles. I'm going to read one to you over here in Romans. Listen to me carefully on this. I'm going to wrap this up in just a moment here, and then we're going to be finished up here. Look at this 815 here of Romans. Chapter 815. Don't miss this. Don't miss this part of it. If you didn't get anything else, don't miss this one. Look what it says here in the 15th verse. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Adoption. Notice that word adoption. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And then it goes on to say down in verse 21, because this creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, talking about the body. And finally in verse 23, and not only that is the world, but it says, but the not only they but the but we who are the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. This is not being adopted into the, the family of the Jews or the Israelite family. This is talking about being adopted to a heavenly body. And that's what he's talking about. He said, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies. So that we're talking about the resurrection. So when Jesus said, Abba Father, he was saying, I'm going to go to death. And I'm going to die. But I also know you're the resurrection. You're not only the God that protects us, that keeps us, that provides for us, that helps us in this life. But when this life is all over with and we come to the end of it, you have a life for us over there. There's a heavenly life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you here today that in Jesus Christ, you've got everything. Praise the Lord. That's what being baptized in Christ is all about. The Bible talks about being buried with him in baptism. The Bible talks about, praise the Lord, being in Christ. That's how you get in Christ. If you want Christ in you, you receive his spirit in yourself. That Holy Ghost spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, spirit of Christ, the uh, Spirit of God is all by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It is that spirit in us that is the Spirit of Christ. But whenever we are baptized, we are baptized into Christ. So we have Him in us and we are in Him. Praise the Lord, like the Father. ever when you're born, praise the Lord. The life that you've received in your natural body, you receive from your dad. praise And mom, of course, too. We're his father's day today. <laughs> Amen. But you receive your life, praise the Lord, from them. But you also receive your name from your dad. You know, They named me Myers. That was my last name. Jackson Ellis Myers. They stamped it, made it an official. Praise the Lord. There I am. I got it. Whether I want it or not, it's there. Praise the Lord. My name is Myers because my dad was Myers. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, your name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you got his spirit, you got his life. Hallelujah. You got his life in you. Hallelujah. One of these days, we're going to go up higher. Amen. We do not know when. We don't know when it's going to be. But the Lord's coming soon. The Lord talks about this even over in Galatians. Look what he says in Galatians here. He says in 4-4, but when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son made of woman, what sent forth his son means out into the world, made of woman, made from Mary, of course, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son unto your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, which is saying, Lord, I'm asking for that air position, not just to bless, to keep, to protect, amen, to be an example, to give me your word. But Lord, hallelujah, you're going to give me that eternal life. And just as Jesus Christ rose the third day and became the first fruits of the resurrection, so will we one day when Jesus comes back. The Bible says, praise the Lord, that the trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We were in Christ, notice that, the dead in Christ. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We do not yet know how we'll be, but we'll have a glorified body like as under his glorified body. Because we will be joint heirs with Christ. Praise the Lord. Just like he rose from the dead and he had a glorified body and he ascended into heaven. Praise the Lord. And they all saw him go up. Those 12 disciples did. And they saw him go up and he went up into the heavens. Later on, uh, Paul saw him on the road to Damascus and he was brighter than the noonday sun. I don't know exactly what this glorified body is going to be, but it's whatever God has prepared, praise the Lord, after this life. It's more than just this life. Praise the Lord. And I want to tell you here today, if you make up your mind to live for God, God will give you a good life in this life. He will bless you in this life. He will protect you in this life. He will keep you in this life. He will provide for you in this life. Hallelujah. He'll give you happiness and joy. And then when it's all over with, when it's all over with, praise the Lord, you know that you got a home over there. And I want to talk to you men today. God bless you men. You guys have worked hard all your lives. I know you have. You've worked and you've labored and you've, you've struggled and you've sometimes you were so tired, but you did it because you loved your family, because you loved your children, your wife, because you were that kind of a man and you worked all of your life. And if you've done all of that, all of your life, let me just say this, that God wants you to have more than just a good life here, but he wants you to have eternal life. And we have a right to it. You have a right to it. Because Jesus brought it. Jesus came to introduce God to us. Not just praise the Lord. As that mighty God. And not just as that God that was eternal. That has always been. But also that he might be praise the Lord. Our father that will give us eternal life in heaven. And that we'll always be with him forever. And forever and forever. Hallelujah. I uh, I, I was in Israel Few years ago, and I never will forget that we went on the east side of the uh, of the city of Jerusalem on the east side, and it's where the Mount of Olives are. And there's a little valley down in between called called the Kidron Valley. And if you're over on Mount of Olives and you look back at Jerusalem, you see the wall, the old wall of Jerusalem, and there's the Eastern Gate that is there. Much is said about the Eastern Gate. And, and Zachari- uh, 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 Ezekiel prophesied about the eastern gate, how that it would be shut until Jesus comes back. The irony about it is that that gate to this day is shut, and it is sealed off. It's sealed off. It's meant to stay shut. But you can see the gate outlined. You can see it in the in the in the wall. But it's been bricked up, been sealed off, just like Ezekiel said it would be. But when the Lord comes, he's going to walk through that eastern gate. The Bible says he will. And over across that little valley, over on, in the, down on the lower side of that, that uh, Mount of Olives, there is a church that's called the Church of All Nations. And it has three big high gable arches like this. Three of them. And at the top, between the arches where they come down together. Everywhere, there is a life-size statue of four men dressed in Bible clothes. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of them is holding a plaque in their hand, a, a, a marble stone in their hand like this. And they're looking straight ahead. And when you look where they're looking, they're looking at the Eastern gate. And they're holding the Bible. And there's a scripture that's open. And that scripture can be read if you got a ladder. you got way up there where they were. You could read the scripture. And a guy told me, so they they're pointing to a scripture of some type. I said, I can tell you what it says. I can tell you where it's at. I said, Matthew's is in Matthew 24. I said, I, I just knew that. I knew it because I know the scriptures that well. I said, Mark is in Mark 13. Luke's in Luke 21. John is in Luke 14. It's it's all right there. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to come back. And when I come back, every eye shall see me. And every tongue shall confess that I am both Lord and Christ. Folks, one of these days, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for those that love him. And those that are looking for him. And I want you to be ready. If you're not ready here this morning, I want you to be ready. Praise the Lord. It won't be long. Everything is shaping up for it. The whole world is shaping up for this. And here is a statue. And here are those men looking right at that eastern gate. And they're holding that stone. And you look at their eyes and they're looking right straight at the gate. And I've stood there and I've taken pictures and I've looked at it. And I've looked at it and I said, "That's amazing. They had those, they had it perfectly lined up. Because it is a, it is a instant picture of the prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ Praise the Lord. And one of these days, he's going to go through that. But first of all, when he comes back, we're going to rise and meet him in the air. And we're going to be with the Lord. And then he will come, praise the Lord, will come with his church. Hallelujah. And he'll walk through that eastern gate. And the Bible says that Mount of Olives will split open. Hallelujah. Waters will flow out. And I won't go into all the detail. But I just want to tell you here that there is something more than just living out this life. God can bless you. He will protect you. He will provide for you. He will help you. But one of these days, he's coming back. Are you ready for it? You can be. You want to be baptized this morning? We got water here. We can be, we can baptize. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. If you want to receive the Holy Ghost, you can receive that Holy Spirit inside of you. Praise the Lord, because the Lord wants to give every one of us his spirit. Praise the Lord. And I want you to stand with me right now. Praise God. And uh, I'm going to ask all of you, if you would, to come. And as particularly you men, God bless you. You do not know how much I appreciate you. I appreciate the men of this church. I appreciate men who just want to do things right. Sometimes men are just trying to find a way to, to do it, you know. But I want you to know God is on your side. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to have this hope that you have that we all have and can have. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to call while our musicians, praise the Lord, play. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to let's gather around the altar here together. And I especially want all of our men to come. God bless these young men. Praise the Lord. I want you to come on down together here with us. And we're going to take a few moments to worship God. And then we're going to let you go. But just take a moment before you leave. Everybody come on down. Amen. Everybody. I know the men are coming down first, but you ladies come on down behind them. Hallelujah. Push on down close in. There's others coming in behind you. Amen. Let's lift our hands and let's worship God. Would you? Sing. sing, sing. Praise God. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yes. Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. Oh, yes. Just talk to him. Just talk to it. Talk to it. Heavenly Father, Thank you, Jesus. I you. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I love you. I adore you. I love, I love Lord, bless my friend. Bless him, God. Keep Heavenly your hand up. Protect him in all things God. things God. Do it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name is yes.